working. Hello there, everyone. This is Rico, and this is Trexan Sci-Fi, show number 29 for February the 26th, 2006. Yep, almost the end of uh, the month. Going to have a very packed show this week, lots to cover, so let's get to it. Trex in Sci-Fi. I said, give me the brandy! We all have our darker side. We need it. Stand by to receive our transmission. Well, as usual, I'd like to welcome everyone back to Treks in Sci-Fi. And also welcome any new listeners that this might be their uh, first uh, podcast uh, or first time listening to this podcast, I should say. Maybe the first podcast. Uh, this, uh, you know, the whole podcast thing is, is really, uh, I think, starting to catch on. I mean, I hear more and more people talking about it. There's a lot of people out there getting uh, maybe the first time they've ever gotten a uh, MP3 player. Well, maybe it's an iPod. Maybe it's something else. I, I tend to prefer iPods. I just like the interface, and, you know, they can play pretty much everything, so so that's what I use, and, and I use it quite a bit uh, every day, hours, a couple hours, two, three hours at least every day I use mine, so definitely money well spent, at least for me. So, again, this is the uh, show all about sci-fi, Star Trek, Star Wars, uh, collectible talk. This week we have uh, a lot to cover. I'm not going to do a lot of emails this week. I've been trying to move those towards doing more of those in the uh, the midweek show that I'm doing on Wednesdays for the uh, the last couple of weeks. I do, I do have one email I want to talk about here in a minute, and then I have uh, quite a few audio comments to play later on for our contest, which, uh, if you don't recall, for this week was I wanted people to send me an audio comment about what their favorite Star Trek episode, and I have quite the... Uh, the wide range of responses. I think maybe I ended up with uh, six or seven different uh, audio comments from people that I'm going to play later in the show uh, after we go through the uh, the main topic, which is going to be the original series Star Trek episode, The Enemy Within, from early in the first season. A really, really good episode. Uh, a real classic tale, you know, when the, it's the one where Kirk gets split in two by the transporter into the evil and good Kirk goes after his yeoman and all, and all that stuff so that, that's going to be uh going to be a good episode to go through i think i, I had uh I, I grabbed about 10 different little audio clips when i was looking over uh the episode last night in preparation to do the podcast and i, I found myself uh i had to really kind of hold back because that episode just has a lot of good dialogue from all the three especially from the three main characters kirk spock and mccoy about you know good and evil and and things like that. So that'll be coming up here shortly. But first, uh, let, let's get to just uh, a little uh, listener uh, email. Incoming transmission, Captain. Okay, the uh, the only email this week that I wanted to talk about is from uh, somebody named uh, Johnny Arai. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing, I'm sorry, Johnny, if I'm not pronouncing your name completely correct. It says, Hi, Rico. My name is Johnny, and I'm from Brazil. But I am living in Japan now. Well, that that's uh, that's quite a uh, a change, I'm sure. I just found your podcast a few weeks ago. Finished listening to all the episodes. Really enjoy your show and the approach you take about these Star Trek episodes. Said he's turning 31 the day after tomorrow. Uh, the first time he saw Star Trek, he was about 10. I believe they showed all three of the uh, TOS seasons in Brazil when he saw it on TV. Uh, he said he recently purchased the DVD box set, and as soon as he gets a, the, some free time, I'm planning on watching all the episodes again. Oh, and he doesn't. He says he hasn't really seen uh, the third season yet, that even though it was shown at one time in there uh, at Brazil. So uh, I also have the seasons of TNG, DS9, 1, 2, and 3, but for me, TOS is, is the best of the Star Trek series. The Kirk Spock-McCoy friendship is what makes Star Trek so special for me. Yeah, Johnny, I, I completely agree. Um, you know, I've I've said many times I enjoy all the different Star Trek series, but the original, the original is what I I grew up with, and is to me the uh, 
the most enjoyable, the classic tales, uh, like we're going to talk about uh, later on this show. The one thing I was going to say about Johnny, he uh, he got some kind of a small little tricorder type replica that comes with the uh, the TOS DVD box set, and he didn't really wasn't interested in it. So he told me he it's it's I guess it's some hot kind of FM radio also this little collectible they threw in with the uh, DVDs over there, and he's he shipped it over to me. So uh, I'm really really uh, appreciative of that, Johnny. I, as uh, many people know who listen to the podcast, I'm a big collector of things, uh, Star Trek and science fiction type uh, collectibles. So I will definitely uh, feature that on an upcoming podcast. You know, the the neat thing about the Japanese, not just Star Trek sets and DVDs, but other, uh, other sets of movies and, and TV shows that have come out over there, and I've seen this on eBay and the internet and different places, but... A lot of times they come up with these really cool little collectible or items that they put in with these sets that, that we don't really get over here in the U.S., which just kind of uh, ironic and kind of annoying a little bit because, you know, that's where most of these movies and TV shows were produced and made. And, you know, the Americans, if anyone, probably have uh, the disposable income to buy this stuff. But, you know, even if they offered it as an extra thing that you could buy, but they just don't include it. Like the, uh, I think the... The TNG Star Trek set over there came with this nifty little, looks a lot like the TNG tricorders they used, but it can be used as a, uh, I think it can be used as a remote control for uh, like your TV, stereo, that kind of stuff. So uh, you can find these things occasionally on eBay. People will sell them at a, you know, a premium cost uh, from these Japanese sets. But that's really cool, Johnny. I, I really appreciate uh, that. And thanks much for, uh, for your emails. I, I'd love to hear from you again sometime. How things are going for you over in uh, Japan, and that's the that's the only email I do have. Other a couple other little emails I'll talk about on the Wednesday show, like I said earlier. But most of the uh, emails this week were including or the uh, attached to those emails were comments about the favorite Star Trek episodes, which we'll be playing later on. I just want to apologize for my voice if I sound a little maybe throaty or hoarse today. Uh, I've been kind of feeling like I've been fighting off some kind of a cold or something the last week or so. been a lot more tired out than, than I would expect. So, I again, if I sound a little more nasally or anything like that, I apologize. I'll hopefully uh, be able to make it through the show. i got my little uh, bottle of Gatorade next to me here. So without uh, any further ado, let's get to the, uh, the Star Trek episode. Oh, first, actually, excuse me. I want to play a uh, a quick promo. I got I did get one other email uh, that I was going to talk about briefly. There's a gentleman named Aaron who is doing a uh, podcast. It's quite similar actually to my podcast. His is called Sci-Fi Dig, which I believe you can find at scifidig.com. Aaron sent me a couple of emails and I thought I would play his promo for his show. Now his show is a also science fiction related podcast, but he primarily seems to be focusing at least right now on going through Babylon 5 episodes, which which I was a, uh, a big follower of that series. I think I've seen every episode in the movies they did. It was really, really well done. Uh, the stories, the characters, everything about B5 uh, was great, and I, I really, really enjoyed it. I do miss it. I, I wish they do a couple of good movies for it, or at least, you know, made for Sci-Fi Channel or something like that. But And here I'll just play uh, for you now. Here's Aaron's uh, one of his promos for Sci-Fi Dig, and then we'll come back with the uh, Star Trek episode for this week. SciFiDig.com. Your best source for sci-fi news. SciFiDig.com, your source for the ramblings of a sci-fi geek. All right, Aaron, uh, I, I've listened to a couple of your recent shows. I really liked them. And uh, anyone else who want to check that out, SciFiDig.com. Now, on to this week's episode. The episode for this week, like I've mentioned, is The Enemy Within from the first season. We're just going to start and get right into it with the 30-second uh, normal preview for the episode for this week, or for The Enemy Within. Here we go. Captain's log, stardate 1672.9. D-1. 
due to the malfunction of the ship's transporter, an unexplained duplicate of myself exists. What can I do for you, Jeff? I said give me the brandy! Come on, Spark, I know that look. What is it? Well, our good doctor said that you were acting like a wild man. <laughs> oh, Captain. I had to fight you. Fisher saw you, too. It wasn't me. It was you, sir. I'm Captain Kirk! I'm Captain Kirk! Okay, so there is the one-minute-long preview for the enemy within not 30 seconds you know the uh the little teaser trailer preview things for i believe it's for the next generation and maybe for a lot of the other later trek series were just 30 seconds but seems like most of the the original series ones are are minutes uh which are kind of nice because they're also on the they include these on the dvd set so that's neat now um the enemy within this is a very early first season tos episode uh, it is um, one of the first half a dozen episodes that were actually made. It was written by Richard Matheson, a very accomplished science fiction writer, wrote many things. Actually, he is the guy that uh, wrote, here's a little aside or one thing that I, I know of because I enjoy the movie a lot. The movie Somewhere in Time, the original story or uh, novel for that, to Bid Time Return, was written by Richard Matheson, so there's another, uh, that's the one with Christopher Reeve, Jane Seymour, uh, set on Mackinac Island in Michigan, uh, the Grand Hotel, all that uh, little love story, really uh, a favorite of, of mine and my wife, actually. So that uh, that's Richard Matheson. He wrote, uh, you know, episodes of The Twilight Zone, I believe, Outer Limits maybe also, and this one of Star Trek. This is the only one, actually, of Star Trek that he wrote, and it's, uh, it's a classic tale. The uh, the whole idea of this transporter accident that splits Captain Kirk into two uh, two individual Kirks, a good Kirk and an evil Kirk, basically, or or a Kirk with the sort of good side of a person's personality and a Kirk with the, the bad side, the anger, the aggression, um, sort of evil, I guess, in, in essence, is what most people would look at that. You know, that that's a classic tale, you know, like, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde is, is another example of that. And, and Star Trek did this uh, did this story very, very, very well, I thought, or I still think I think it, I guess, even seeing it again here, you know, 40 years after. Uh, who would have thought, you know, that there'd be uh, a TV show and in 40 years there'd be a guy, you know, people talking about it still and, and somebody doing this audio podcast. And, you know, there's still fans out there on forums, lots of different Star Trek forums talking about these episodes. I mean, there's, I think you'd have a very hard time right now finding a TV show that you believe in 40 years that they would still be talking about. Uh, there are a couple on, I think, right now, but uh, I don't think there are as many as this. You know, the, that's the neat thing about science fiction, I think, on television, movies, and that is it's sort of timeless. And again, this is another point I think I've made before. And it's not really fixed in our year 2006. I mean, these things were supposedly, you know, TV, uh, excuse me, uh, stories and things going on set in the future. But, you know, it was like the, you know, Twilight Zone necessarily, the episodes weren't in the future, but there was this science fiction and fantasy element to them that made them sort of timeless. So I think you need that element to be something that can be watched over and over and also in the future. You know, here's another example or a in a different point of view on that the the tv show right now called 24 and i'm getting off on a little bit of a tangent but bear with me i really really enjoy 24 but it's it's very much set in current times i couldn't believe or couldn't see anyone really watching the tv show 24 except for maybe historical reasons uh 10 20 years from now it would be completely out of date the things they use the problems that they they face are very much a product uh, of our times right now. Still a great show, real enjoyable right now, but I don't believe over over the long haul that it will be something that people will want to go back and revisit, except, again, as a sort of a curiosity. So anyway, we'll get back to Star Trek. The Enemy Within. 
this, uh, as most people know, have seen this episode, it starts out with, with Kirk going through the transporter and due to a malfunction because a crewman has beamed up that has some kind of weird mineral or ore on his suit. When he goes through the transporter mechanism, it causes a, a, it to basically short-circuit, in essence, or, or malfunction, which they're not aware of, and the next person to beam up is Kirk. And that uh, creates these, and they don't really see it at first, because Kirk, Scotty, and everyone leave the transporter room with the first good Kirk, and then the evil Kirk uh, pops up uh, right after that. So I'm going to play now a audio clip that is sort of a log entry. And, and they did this, I think early in star trek a lot where where kirk would have some kind of an almost a voiceover or log entry kind of thing where he would tell the audience what's going on but the characters on the show wouldn't really realize what he's talking about in other words he's not really creating a real log entry in real time then he's doing a voiceover and it's kind of a cheat a little bit but it's a way to tell the audience what's going on if you just if you just popped in because this uh Next little audio clip is right after the opening theme for the show to kind of catch people up with what they might have missed in the first couple of minutes. So listen to this uh, this audio here. Captain's Log, Stardate 1672.1. Specimen gathering mission on planet Alpha 177. Unknown to any of us during this time, a duplicate of me, some strange alter ego, had been created by the transporter malfunction. Yeah, so they uh, they, they kind of get away with things there. I remember in uh, there's uh, the movie Blade Runner with Harrison Ford. You know, there are a couple different versions of that, and, and one of them has this sort of voiceover uh, quality, or not quality, but they, they did a voiceover, Harrison Ford did, with, you know, his thoughts and what's going on in the movie. It's... Uh, it's one of those things that, that script writers and, and people who make uh, television and movies do occasionally to try to, uh, rather than somebody sitting there, you know, giving verbal explanation to what's going on, which doesn't make any sense. You know, people don't sit around and talk about, oh, boy, I'm, gonna, I'm getting hungry. I'm going to go eat something now or whatever. But they can do these voiceovers and slip it in about what they're thinking in that way. You know, comic books are are something that can get away with doing that real easily because you can always have these little thought bubbles over the characters. But, you know, this Captain's Log situation with Star Trek is a tricky way for them to to get those points across. And here again, like I mentioned, you know, Kirk is is talking about things that really have not, he's not aware of these yet. They They don't know about the evil Kirk that's popped up. So, you know, you can tell right away there, there's an interesting continuity problem in the in the early part of this episode. When Kirk first beams up, both he and his double, the uniform that they're wearing, they don't have the, the, the Delta shield, the little insignia on that. And then in the next scene with Scotty and Kirk are walking out the corridor, he does have it on. That was a uh, an oversight. What would happen occasionally when they would send these uniform tunics out to be cleaned, the little insignias that they had on there, they were just sort of lightly uh, threaded on or, or pinned on to the uniform tunic. They they were not, uh, what should we say, uh, dry clean safe. So they took those insignias off. They would send the tunics out to be cleaned, and then when they got them back, they'd have to put them on. Well, obviously, what you know, Shatner or the costuming people slip he slipped that tunic on without the insignia being put back on. So there's a little thing to look out for. Uh, you know, the, the the neat thing I when I was watching that again, and I, I remember this little problem with it but i had thought maybe that the double when he beams up got the insignia in other words there was a slight little tweak in the way that the transporter you know rematerialized them and that the the good kirk wouldn't have it but the evil kirk would have it but no neither one of them have it and there's a another little thing i'll point out in this episode if you watch it again sometime in the future notice that uh that william shatner kirk does a lot of these little moves and it happens when the evil kirk beams up where his his back is to the camera, and what he'll do is he'll swing around, and you know the scene will start where his back is to the camera or his sides to the camera, and then he swings around and gives a dramatic kind of look or something like that to the camera. And he, in this compendium that I was reading about the uh, the episode, I guess the uh, his idea because he did a, you know Shatner did a lot of stage work early in his career, and that's a, a common trick to get people to focus in on the character. In other words, if you 
if you your face is not shown, the minute you swing around and show your face to the camera, immediately everyone's eyes gets pulled. You get pulled into his uh, to his look and what's going on with this guy. And hey, what what's up? Uh, so it's it's a little device and and a little uh, a little way for him to uh, pull the audience in with him. So keep an eye out for that. That's done a lot in this episode. I noticed when I was looking at it again last night. So the next clip I want to play. There's a quick little clip here that I got of. Uh, this is just kind of fun one where the evil Kirk almost the first thing he does when he after he comes back up to the Enterprise or he he, he is formed you know out of the split in two Kirks he, he runs over to sick bay and, and and wants to get something to drink you know some alcohol which I thought was kind of funny you know what's McCoy anyway what's the doctor you know you always hear that uh, oh I just have that for medicinal purposes I mean it's the 23rd century in in their uh, in, in the sick bay, they have a cabinet full of uh, brandy and, and alcohol or whatever. I thought that was kind of interesting. I mean, what's the deal with that? They have replicators everywhere. Can't they make that through a replicator? I don't know. It's just a, it's a way for him to have a little confron- confrontation with Dr. McCoy. So listen to uh, listen to this clip right now. What can I do for you, Jim? I said give me the brandy! Yeah, that's a, that's a funny little clip right there. Well, you notice in this episode and from these audio clips that I'm going to play uh, that I've played so far and, and, the, and the rest of them, the, the music in this episode, very strong music again, another Star Trek uh, TOS hallmark by uh, a gentleman named Sol Kaplan. The, he did also the music for the Doomsday Machine, which I've reviewed before. Just really, really well done. It just fits the mood. I love the uh, the little... I don't know what instrument it is. I'm not a I'm not a musician and I'm not a music expert, but there's uh there there are some some instruments playing when when Kirk's trying to make some of these tough decisions. You know, the good Kirk starts to have trouble making decisions in the episode. And and it's just perfect kind of music where he you know, he's really lost. He doesn't know what to do. And the music that's used in those moments and throughout the episode with the evil Kirk, you know, when they swing back and forth, there'll be a scene with the good Kirk, then the evil Kirk, um, and the the way they they change up the the scene and the way you know almost which Kirk it is is through the use of music, very much like uh, I talked about on the Star Wars show that I did about. John Williams creating uh, musical themes for the different characters. These are basically, you know, the two Kirks in this episode are really different, two different characters. And uh, the gentleman, Sol Kaplan, again, who did the music, understands that. And he uses that uh, situation to create these different musical cues that he plays, whether it's the good guy or the bad guy, um, the Jekyll versus the Hyde character being shown on screen. So keep, keep an ear out uh, for that. The next clip I'm going to play is there's a, a good little explanation uh, section where Scotty's talking about what happened, what what they noticed, the way they sort of figure out a little bit what's going on. There's this weird little uh, tiny dog uh, that's sort of painted almost pink and given little uh, weird little antennae and stuff. They uh, I don't know if that was somebody's dog on the show that they dressed up or what, but if anyone out there listening to the show has any feedback on that little tiny little mutt dog that that they really get to bark well in the little cage that scotty's got him in uh if that belonged to anyone or if they rented a dog a couple of dogs for the day or what but uh let me know but anyway scotty they beam up this dog from the planet this specimen and that's how they figure out because a couple minutes later this other dog pops up so i'm going to play that uh that little scene that clip uh for you now What is it, Scotty? Transporter breakdown, sir. Continue circuit testing. We beamed up this animal and... Well, look for yourself. It's in this specimen case. Yes? A few seconds after they sent this one up through the transporter, that duplicate appeared. Except it's not a duplicate. It's an opposite. Two of the same animal, but different. One gentle, this. One mean and fierce, that. Some kind of savage, ferocious opposite. Captain, we don't dare send Mr. Sulu and the landing party up. If this should happen to a man. Oh, my. 
Ah, uh, but of course, it it already has happened to a man. It happened to the captain of the ship, Captain of the Enterprise. This already happened to, and and he he has a little bit of a look on his face in that scene that I think uh, he's realizing he's not quite right currently, and you know maybe something happened to him when he went through the transporter. But uh, that's that's a good scene. That little dog is is always cracks me up when I see it. It's uh, and then later in the episode, you know, they try to reintegrate the dog and it doesn't survive, and that's that's what uh, you know they're they're trying to figure out a way to reintegrate the captain. But we're getting ahead of ourselves a little bit now. Now the uh, as as many people know, and I don't think I've talked about this in a in a podcast before because I haven't. I've only done a few early TOS episode uh, discussions. The character, uh, 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 one of the uh, secondary characters that, that wasn't in actually a lot of episodes, just in early in the first season, Janice Rand, the yeoman uh, for Captain Kirk, played by uh, Grace Lee Whitney, which um, what they realized or you know, at some point in time was that they just didn't um, have a real great need for her character. I think they wanted to keep Kirk a little more free uh, than having this female yeoman following him around. Uh, for a lot of different reasons, it's been talked about over the years. But she ended up uh, leaving the show after maybe the first half of the first season. But in this episode, in the Enemy Within, she has a fairly big part. And besides the brandy, the evil Kirk wants, uh, frankly, wants uh, Yeoman Rand. And so you know he gets the brandy and then hops over to uh, Yeoman Rand's quarters and tries to basically uh, put the moves on her. Is that that's probably a crummy way to say it, isn't it? But you guys know what I'm talking about, especially those who have seen the episode. And she ends up scratching him in the face, and that's a key point in this episode where, you know, they they um, they use that to try to identify, you know, the evil Kirk. Oh, he's the one with the scratches on his face, and the good Kirk doesn't have them. Oh, the other thing I was going to mention about this episode is you get to see for the first time Kirk's little. Uh, I don't even know how to describe it. He has that weird little different tunic, little uniform on that wraps around, wrap-around tunic. Uh, maybe there's a special name for that. I don't know. It's the other captain's uh, uniform top, which no one, none of the other crew members you ever see, but but Kirk wears it. It's got the gold braid on the uh, kind of up on the shoulders rather than on the sleeve. It's kind of a cool look, I think. But uh, that's another one of the things. He starts to wear it. The good Kirk starts to wear it in this episode. And the the evil Kirk is walking around in the normal gold uh, standard uniform. So, But that uh, that uniform type, uh, I think it, it shows up periodically, you know, throughout the whole TOS run, all through even to the third season occasionally. So another little uh, first. There are a lot of firsts in The Enemy Within, actually. The other first that's coming up here that I'll talk about a little bit more is the Vulcan Nerve Pinch. But let's get to the clip I was going to play. Here's a clip with uh, Captain Kirk, uh, the evil Kirk, I should point out, in Janice Rand's uh, quarters, uh, saying, Hey there, yeoman. How you doing? Can I help you, Captain? Jim will do here, Janice. Oh. You're too beautiful to ignore. Too much woman. We've both been pretending too long. Stop pretending. Let's stop pretending. Come here, Janice. Don't fight me. Don't fight me, Janice. Yeah, there's uh, there's Kirk, the evil Kirk, doing bad stuff. Anyway, um... The thing I was going to say, Jan- Janice Rand, Grace Lee Whitney, she's real nice. I- I've seen her a couple times at conventions over the years. Real real nice person. And it's kind of a shame that you didn't get to see her more in the series. I, I feel like, you know, it would have been nice. In Next Generation, the the future Star Trek episode, Star Trek episode, Star Trek series, you know, the, the women had a-, a lot more prominent role. You know, you had Lieutenant Uhura, but not a lot of strong females in in the TOS era. Which again, it was a 1960s television show, and that's that's again a product of that era and that time. You know, they even had the the pretty terrible episode, the last one of TOS, which which the whole idea of that women couldn't be captains of starships, which I thought that was kind of shocking. You know, by that you know even in the that era, Gene Roddenberry had a lot more sense than to think in 300 years. You know, you wouldn't uh, allow females to be captains. I mean, I don't know. Anyway. 
getting way off tangent there. So he's uh, he's going after Yeoman Rand. She manages to fight him off, scratch him, and he takes off. Uh, the next clip I was going to play is, is fairly short. I just think it's kind of a funny one because it's really, uh, in just like the episode which I did a few few weeks, month, two ago, uh, Mirror Mirror, where they, you know you get to have the characters playing sort of good and evil parts to themselves. Uh, the actors get to play those characters, both good and bad. This one, of course, William Shatner gets to play just that part, and you know he's really having a good time in this episode. He's having a blast. So, the the next clip here is just the evil Kirk sort of flipping out in uh, his quarters, and listen to this. Uh, it pretty much explains itself. The imposter is not to be injured. Use minimum force. Repeat. I'm the imposter is not to be injured. So there you have uh, William uh, William the Kirk Shatner going uh, going nuts in his quarters. You know the uh, he's he's always kind of gotten a lot of flack, I think, for his acting and but you know you got to admit the guy the guy knows how to like keep keep your attention on him and, and kind of sell a performance. I I like watching him. I mean he's he is Captain Kirk. There's just there's just no denying it. So the the real heart of this episode the enemy within it is the whole idea of this good and evil and what attributes go into each of those sides, you know. There's there turns out to be a lot of Kirk's command abilities are, you know, lay within the the hide portion, the evil portion of his personality. But there there are certain qualities that the the good side have that have to control and ultimately uh, temper that evil side. And I don't know if I'm explaining it correctly, but the next couple of clips probably even do a better job of explaining that situation and. You know how the the good Kirk is the intelligent, the compassionate one, the reasoning one, and the evil one. Yeah, he can make decisions, but he ultimately is afraid, and he ultimately has no real deep down strength. I guess is is the way to put it, where the the good side of of Kirk does, and that's that's uh, that's really important. Uh, I think to point out, uh, and and I just really love you know the. The whole idea of the good and evil sides, and everyone kind of has those sides inside them, and, and how they deal with that, and how they, you know, there there's a good line, and I think I, I have the audio here shortly of, of Kirk, or, or excuse me, with Kirk, Spock, and McCoy talking a few times in this episode, and that Spock uh, talks to Kirk about his two sides. You know, he's half human, half Vulcan, and he's got the emotional and the logical sides always fighting with each other inside his, his basically inside his mind, inside his personality. And it's his logic and reasoning and his, his will, basically, uh, that, that really wins and controls the situation. So I, it's, it's deep stuff, uh, in, in a way, for just a, you know, a sci-fi TV show. But it's, it's real good, real interesting to, to hear this. So let's play one of those uh, sections here. This is with uh, Spock and Kirk and I think McCoy's in it also of talking about command and, and how that uh, is really uh, eluding the, the good side of just Kirk right now. He's having trouble making decisions. What's the matter with me? Judging from my observations, Captain, you're rapidly losing the power of decision. You have a point, Spock? Yes, always, Doctor. We have here an unusual opportunity to appraise the human mind or to examine, in Earth terms, the roles of good and evil in a man. His negative side, which you call hostility, lust, violence, and his positive side, which Earth people express as compassion, love, tenderness. It's the captain's guts you're analyzing. Are you aware of that, Spock? Yes. And what is it that makes one man an exceptional leader? We see here indications that it is his negative side which makes him strong. That his evil side, if you will, properly controlled and disciplined, is vital to his strength. Your negative side, removed from you, the power of command begins to elude you. What is your point, Mr. Spock? 
If your power of command continues to weaken, you'll soon be unable to function as captain. You must be prepared for that. You have your intellect, Joe. You can fight with that. For how long? That's, uh, that's re- really good stuff there. I mean, it's just, it's just so perfect. It's well done. It, it makes sense. And it's, it's just, it's neat to be able to see this kind of idea of people always talking about, you know, the right, the right versus the wrong thing to do. And here you have a, a literal, clear example of there's, there's a good side, a good Kirk there, sitting there, or standing there, and there's the evil Kirk laying in the bed there. I wanted to point out, and I talked about it a, a, a few moments ago, the the way they subdue the the evil Kirk, they find him down in engineering. Kirk and Spock go after him with uh, phasers, and Spock ends up slipping up behind him. Now, the original idea for this for this idea, or excuse me, for the scene for what was going to happen was that the Kirk would or Kirk would keep him talking and keep him preoccupied, and Spock would slip around behind him and and basically slug him with his fist and knock him out, and. Leonard Nimoy, and they just didn't really think that a Vulcan, you know, the cool, calm, collected Mr. Spock, walking up behind somebody and whacking him over the head, you know, punching him, really made uh, much sense. So they came up with the idea of the Vulcan nerve or Vulcan neck pinch, depending on how you how, how you have heard it or pronounced. And, you know, I've heard it Vulcan nerve pinch, Vulcan neck pinch. Um, there's actually one of my son's teachers who's a Star Trek fan, is kind of interesting. He he always uh, he tells the kids that are acting up. He says something to them like, "Hey, don't make me come over there and do some Spock action on you." So I I, I got a kick out of that when he told me that story. But you can see again, it's really out in the in the culture. Everyone knows Vulcan, you know, neck pinch or whatever. So I've heard different explanations for the for the pinch and what it's supposed to mean. You know, Leonard Nimoy always says that Vulcans have some kind of weird energy they can they can exude or channel out through their fingertips and and that energy knocks somebody out if they touch them on that in an area on their shoulder i've always thought it just basically meant he he knew certain pressure points in blood you know areas on on a human and he had the strength of a vulcan so he could basically you know knock knock you out by just pinching off a nerve or something and you'd quickly pass out that always kind of made a little bit more sense to me but anyway however you want to look at it vulcans can come up stick their little hand on your neck area and knock you out so that's uh this is the first time that's seen another first for uh, one of the early Star Trek episodes. There's uh, another good scene. i got a couple more clips here to play. This next one is with Kirk and McCoy talking about the same kind of things we just heard about command and decisions and what what the different halves of his personality contain. So listen to this clip. I can't survive without him. I don't want to take him back. He's like an animal, a thoughtless, brutal animal. Yet it's me. Me. Jim, you're not different than anyone else. We all have our darker side. We need it. It's half of what we are. It's not really ugly. It's human. Human? Yes, human. A lot of what he is makes you the man you are. God forbid I should have to agree with Spot, but he was right. Without the negative side, you wouldn't be the captain. You couldn't be, and you know it. Your strength of command lies mostly in him. What do I have? You have the goodness. Not enough. I have a ship to command. The intelligence, the logic, it appears you have has most of that. And perhaps that's where man's essential courage comes from. Where you see... He was afraid, and you weren't. Yeah, just uh, leave it to DeForest Kelly, uh, Dr. McCoy, to, to put things in, in, you know, real clear terms there. That that was, you know, the wonderful thing about the original series with the whole Kirk, Spock, and McCoy uh, triangle, whatever you want to call it. You know, you had you had the, the decision-making command abilities of Captain Kirk, the logic of Mr. Spock, and the emotions of Dr. McCoy, and it was a it was a perfect uh, combination, you know. Between the three of them, you always thought they could come to the right conclusion and decision and, and work out any problem. You know, the the neat thing there was there. There's a scene right before that where 
the evil Kirk is laying on the bed and he's scared and he's he's afraid and his his pulse rate goes up and he freaks out basically and Kirk comes over grabs him by the hand and said you know hang on and and think man and all that and that's what McCoy is referring to there that that really ultimately it's it's the good qualities in in a human being that give you your essential courage and power that you really fall back on yeah the 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 bad the evilness helps you you know go forward maybe and make decisions to some degree but it's a combination you know it's a combination it's a balance it's a complete balance and and that's what uh what's really neat about this show this episode the last uh i got two more clips one more uh about uh, what they're trying to decide to do they, they come to the conclusion that they they rig up something with the transporter that they can reintegrate and they try it on that little doggy and it doesn't work. He dies. And that, that actually is the first time where, where McCoy gets to utter the famous line of, you know, he's dead, Jim, or it's dead, Jim, for the first time. Another first for Star Trek in this episode. But they decide, you know, eh, well, that's because it was a dog. And the dog couldn't handle being thrown back together. I mean, that, that's kind of a stretch. They don't even really go into a lot of the... The technical, you know, they didn't make some further tweaks on the transporter to, uh, you know, say, hey, we had circuit A connected to circuit B, which which it shouldn't have been, and that's why the dog died. You know, they they try to rationalize and reason it out that it's it's the fact that the dog couldn't handle that situation. The, the dog, it was too much of a shock to the system. Now, whether that's a mental thing or a physical thing or both, who knows, but this uh, the ne- next clip talks about that a little bit, and, and Kirk decides that that they got to take the risk because they have Sulu and a few other members of the crew down on the planet that need to get beamed out of there, that they're freezing to death and they need to make sure they can do it without them splitting everyone into, into two different parts. So listen to this uh, clip now. Help me. Somebody make the decision. Relinquishing your command, Captain. No. No, I'm not. Well, then we can't help you, Jim. The decision is yours. Mr. Spock, ready the transporter room. Yeah, that's uh, good again there. The, the music I think I think what I've been referring to for the for the emotional kind of impact of the music is stringed stringed instruments they're playing there you can hear it real well at the beginning of that last clip so so Kirk still ultimately makes the choice to go through transporter and everybody's uh everybody's fine they get the uh, the two parts back together and you know there's a lot of good epilogue on this episode where Kirk talks about that he's he's seen a side of himself you know playing his day that he never really wanted to admit was there you know somebody that all they want to do is, you know, grab a yeoman and grab some brandy and call it a day. So uh, he, you know, he's kind of almost embarrassed about that. The last clip, though, I'm going to play, and that will wrap up this episode. Great, great episode. Again, check out The Enemy Within. If you haven't seen it in a while, show it to somebody who hasn't seen Star Trek. I, I This episode, to me, is something that anyone could enjoy. There's nothing really super sci-fi except for the whole, you know, the thing about trek a lot of times was it would be just one little sci-fi element one little incident okay we split a guy into two good and good and evil now they don't go into a whole lot of techno babble about the whole thing they just deal with what that means you know a lot like the twilight zone used to do uh but the last clip here i'll just play is on the bridge and spock talking to yeoman rand about uh the evil kirk a little bit kind of joking around with her which spock did a lot of times in the early season especially he kind of almost had a little devilish grin a lot of times where he'd talk to either, you know, Kirk, McCoy, someone else, and he does that here with Yeoman Rand. So listen to this. We're going to then take a quick little break and come back with the uh, contest entries for uh, their favorite Star Trek episodes. So here we go. I'll be back in a minute. The uh, imposter had some interesting qualities, wouldn't you say? Yeoman. This is the captain speaking. Navigator, set in course correction. Helmsman, steady as she goes. Uh, 
right, so there we go with the enemy within all wrapped up. Uh, really, really good episode. Before uh, we get to these uh, audio comments from listeners about their favorite Star Trek episodes, I want to just talk real briefly about uh, the collectible for this week, or collectibles, I should say. It's a company, um, Art Asylum, that's been doing, uh, Art Asylum has been doing the Star Trek action figures for the past couple of years, I guess. Uh, they also are doing some uh, models of the different ships that have been come. That they've done a few so far. They've got some new releases, and I'm, I'll link this up in the podcast notes section. They also the couple of replicas I was going to talk about specifically. And there's a New Force Comics, I believe, is the website where you can buy a lot of this stuff from. But the uh, Art Asylum has put out a couple of Phaser replicas, and, and I guess you could call them. Uh, call them for lack of a better word toy phaser replicas but these are a lot nicer than any other uh and these are phasers as seen in the original series the the pistol type phasers that have the phaser one on top but these are a lot nicer again better than any other toy type phaser replica like playmates used to do in those places than any other ones before and they're only about maybe 18 dollars each or so they've done a couple of them right now they've done the traditional pretty much all black unit and it's real neat it comes apart into two pieces the the phaser one will come off of it with a pull you pull out a little pin kind of on the side that's built into the look of the replica and then they come apart and they can operate independent they also did a recently just did a new phaser uh, replica of the white handled phaser which is seen in some of the very early star trek episodes and again i'll put some photos uh, pictures of these replicas up on the podcast notes and I will link you to a couple places where you can find these things at but if you if you like these replicas that I've been talking about you know most of the ones I talk about over the weeks are fairly expensive things by uh, master replicas sideshow toys all those are usually in the, you know a lot more money than a lot of people want to spend on this kind of stuff but these things are, are really well done by art asylum these phaser replicas not very expensive and they're just not unfortunately you very rarely will see these in the store i have seen them i think at toys r us maybe once or twice but but not very they're just not really out there the toy stores aren't stocking star trek that much these days but you can find these things like i do online and i will link you up to a couple places to do that entertainmentearth.com is another uh, good source for this kind of stuff so I'll put some links to the replicas in the podcast notes along with some photos and check it out. They're uh, they're a lot of fun. This show is part of the Out of This World Entertainment on the Sci-Fi Podcast Network. TSFPN.com Okay, now on to the, the contest audio entries. Now, the way I said that I was going to do this is there was no... Uh, there's not going to be like a, a winner decided by some kind of subjective criteria for me on these favorite episode clips uh, of audio comments people sent in. Basically, I'm just going to play them all. Uh, I'll talk about each one maybe just real brief, but uh, we'll get through them. There's about maybe half a dozen, like I was saying earlier. And then I'll just randomly, like I did with the last week's contest, I'll randomly select one for the Star Trek V DVD, still sealed. I was real happy with with getting these entries. Some came uh, in the last day or so. There, uh, there are a pretty wide range of people's choices for favorite episode here. So, without any further ado, let's play the first entry. Hey, Rico, it's Sentinel. I think my favorite original series episode is I, Mud. Uh, that's the one where Mud has that planet of androids and everything. Uh, I think it's very lighthearted. It's, it's escapist. It's very humorous. And that's what I like, you know. I don't always go for that very hard drama, sci-fi stuff. Thanks for that, uh, Sentinel, for John. Uh, appreciate your audio. Uh, I, I have I have to say, uh, I'm a, that's that's a different choice. I wouldn't have expected that, but uh, it's it's a fun episode. Definitely agree with you there. The next clip I'm going to play. This next one's pretty funny, I think. Uh, I don't mean that as in a, you know, I'm not trying to make fun of, of the person that sent it in. But this guy is, uh, well, maybe I'll just play it for you, and then I'll, I'll talk. Let's play this clip. Rico, I am Kilpesh of the Pipos, Imperial Klingon Reserve. I found the music on last week's show humorous. 
I enjoy your transmissions. You ask what our favorite episode was. Mine would have to be the DS9 episode, Blood Oath. Honor, loyalty, revenge, these are the things that we strive for. I thank you for what you do. Continue to transmit. Kwapla. Kilpesh, out. Well, thank you, Kilpesh. Uh, Kapla. Um, really, uh, really like that. <laughs> That's, uh, I don't even really know who that is. And if you end up winning, definitely send me an email at treksf at gmail.com and let me know uh, your, um, let's say, human name and address and all that if, if, if necessary. So thanks for that. Uh, Blood Oath. Yeah, that's a real good uh, Deep Space Nine episode. Brought all the Klingons back from other shows and really enjoyed that one. Um, again, there's no real you know right or wrong about a favorite episode. Everybody has their own likes and dislikes. So let's go on to uh, another one. Hey, Rico. It's Anthony from the Tracky Gamers podcast. Going to tell a little bit about my favorite episode. Um, try to keep this as short as I can. But here I go. My favorite episode is... From the original series, the first season, I believe, episode called The Squire of Gothos. And this episode was my favorite for a number of reasons. First of all, um, I loved the acting from uh, William Campbell, who was the uh, bad guy named Trelane in this episode. Um, in the episode, um, Kirk and crew, the Enterprise, they, they're... I think what they're doing at the beginning is bringing supplies to um, some place. Um, Colony Beta 6, actually, is what it was called. It just popped into my head. And they see this planet on the way, and um, that, but it wasn't there before. Like, no scans have uh, detected it. So um, the this, then they get some weird things on their scanners, and this guy um, named Trelane brings them down. He he's pretty powerful. He has a lot of power. And in the end, uh this is this is the best part of the episode, I think. They find out that all he is is just uh just a little kid. Uh child and his parents come and take him away and set the enterprise free. Um but throughout the episode this child wreaks havoc on uh the enterprise and I just love this episode for the great acting from again from William Campbell and a great story, great ending. Uh, great episode, so um, hope I win the contest this week, Rick, and um, so see everyone later. Yeah, that's uh, that's my friend Anthony, uh, who's uh, on the forums, Risky Godfather, I believe is his handle on the forums. Thanks for that entry, Square of Gothos, obviously I, I one I enjoy that I talked about, uh, I think it was just a couple of weeks ago we talked about that episode. Uh, great, uh, great uh, show, I liked it a lot. The next one, uh, the next audio here is from uh, a gentleman named Avery. This audio is a little, not quite maybe as good as the last few. This one came in over my uh, voicemail line, which is uh, 20688-TREX, if anyone wants to send a comment ever about the show. But the uh, again, the audio quality here, I think this one is from a, a guy named Avery, came in over the voicemail, so it's not quite as good as the others, but I think it's definitely something that you can hear. So play this for you now. Hey, good evening, Rico. Avery in Georgia calling uh, in response to the uh, reference of the uh, contest uh, for the Star Trek V DVD. I guess uh, you've already really kind of discussed my really favorite episode, if that's an actual word. Uh, that would be the Doomsday Machine, but uh, I'm also kind of partial to the Galileo 7, uh, not just because of the fact of it's the classic of a, a maroon party in desperate need of rescue and the fact that Spock gets his first command, uh, I'm just a sucker for those shuttlecrafts. I thought that when I was a kid, and I saw that for the first time. I thought that was the coolest thing I had ever seen. Um, <laughs> and one of my favorite Star Trek moments is actually in that episode when uh, 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 Mr. Spock tells Gaetano he must stay behind. And the look on Gaetano's face when he hears that order is just classic, classic look on his face. Anyway, that's the scoop. My favorite episode, Galileo 7. Thanks. 
Thanks for that, uh, Avery. Galileo 7. Yeah, that's a great episode. Uh, original series, Spock stranded on the planet. Uh, and I have to admit, I, I also agree with you. The shuttlecraft, very cool. I actually had something on the forums. If anyone hasn't seen it, uh, I posted a, a few weeks ago. There was uh, somebody had located on the internet uh, some photos of you know the fate of the Galileo, uh, and it basically it's sitting in a it was sitting in a junkyard. I have no idea when that fo- those photos were taken, but anyway, take a look on the forums in the Star Trek section on my forums, and you can find a link to that if you're interested. Next audio clip here is from uh, our buddy Kenny, who sent in several uh, audio clips before. Kenny from California. Here's his uh, favorite Trek episode review. Hey, Rico. It's Kenny from California again. Just wanted to answer your question about your favorite Star Trek episode. This was a very hard question because I have so many episodes that are just so great in all of the series. And to choose just one was very difficult, but I think I narrowed it down to one of my favorite episodes. The episode that I have chosen is from The Next Generation, and it's called The Inner Light. It's from Season 5, Episode 25, and it is a Picard story. This is one of my favorite episodes because we get to see Picard in a different light. Um, He chose to be a Starfleet captain, which is normally familyless and childless but this gave him the opportunity to actually become a husband become a father and see what he was missing his entire life captain picard lives a lifetime in a matter of a few minutes aboard the enterprise this is one of my favorite episodes because we see the whole new side of captain john luke picard this is a huge turning point for his character and he will never be the same. The other thing I love in this episode is the haunting melody of the flute song that he actually learns in his other life. Um, One of my favorite all-time Star Trek pieces. I can watch this episode over and over again, and I think that is why I consider this one of my favorite Next Generation episodes. Thanks a lot. Thanks a lot for that, uh, Kenny. I, I love the music from that episode. That that is a great episode. Uh, it's uh, very dramatic. You're right, exactly. You get to see a different side of Picard. Uh, really, really well done show. Really, definitely one of the top TNG episodes, I think, at least on my list. So thanks for that. Moving along, uh, this show I'm noticing is going to be a little longer than normal. Sorry about that, folks, or, or maybe uh, some of you are enjoying that, I hope. It won't be that much longer. Got a couple more to go through here. Next one is from Morales from Mexico, and here's his favorite Star Trek episode comment. Hey, Rico, this is Morales from Mexico, and I wanted to say that one of my favorite episodes from Classic Trek is Trouble with Tribbles. I think it was from the second season. I'm not sure because I don't have them on DVD yet, but I simply love it because it mixes almost perfectly um, intrigue, you know, with those Klingons poisoning all the grains and uh, it mixes a lot of comedy with the tribbles running down on Kirk's uh, head that was just hilarious and the ending is just outstanding, I mean uh, seeing the Klingons uh, getting all the tribbles, man that's that, that was priceless um, I think that was one of my favorite shows. I'll keep in touch and I'll um, tell you more of my favorite Trek shows. And I'll keep in touch. Keep up the great work. And you know you have a loyal listener here in Mexico. Bye. Thanks very much for that, Morales. I, I really, yeah, that's a good episode. Trouble with Tribbles. Classic, classic piece David Gerald wrote. Uh, just just really fun. Fun episode. Lots, uh, Lots of good points in that one. Uh, the la- they got one more, one more from uh, Ricardo, uh, from Ricardo Santiago. I think he's uh, had some audio clips here before on Treks in Sci-Fi. So let's listen to his favorite Trek episode commentary. Hello, Rico. This is Ricardo Santiago from Rio de Janeiro, Brazil. The episode I chose is Inner Light from the Next Generation. In this episode. A probe caused Captain Picard to fall into kind of a dream, and within 20 minutes of ship time in his dream, 
Picard feels being in someone else's whole life. He struggles at first, but after some years, yes, years, he starts to go along, live the life, cultivating the land, raising his family, and living a simple life. The first message that I like is, even if you don't have great technology, even if you don't have power over others, you may deserve to be remembered if your life meant a lot to the people you lived with. But how can you pass that perception that your life meant a lot to someone? Normally you do that by writing a big book of memories. In this case, using the sci-fi means, the people projected someone else into your life. There are two special moments in this episode, both at the end. When the aged Picard has almost forgotten his Enterprise years, his people discover that the planet they live in is about to vanish, and they launch a rocket that will preserve the memory of that people. Then Picard realizes, this is the ship that will someday meet me. The very best moment then comes when, being awakened back on the Enterprise, writer hands Picard a box that was found inside the probe. Picard opens the box and discovers a flute that he had oftenly played on that planet. He begins to play again the same tune. It's a wonderful moment. Bye-bye, Rick Santiago, signing out. Okay, thank you for that, Ricardo. That's another, uh, again, that, that audio was not that good, but I think people can hear it. Another uh, vote for the inner light, yeah. That's a that's a great episode. It's, uh, it's a lot different, too. Not really what you'd think about as a Star Trek episode compared to uh, a lot of the other ones over the years. So thanks, everyone. I really, really enjoyed hearing everyone's commentary on their favorite episodes. I'd love to do this again sometime. I probably will, uh, or ask other questions about Star Trek, maybe favorite characters, favorite actors, um, favorite movie. You know, I've got lots of other ideas for contests. I, I, I did that first one with the trivia, and I'm probably going to do a few more of those also. Uh, they'll... they'll occasionally be something you'll have to answer for these contests but I, I like this idea of just having you know a random okay sending me me some comments will kind of spices up the show a little bit and get a little different perspective on things and then also um everyone's in the running so without any further ado i got everyone's name written down on a piece of paper here with a number assigned to it i'm going to roll the magic uh die for the show and it looks like number five is is Kenny. Kenny from uh, Kenny from California wins the Star Trek V DVD, The Final Frontier, directed by William Shatner and starring God, I guess. So, so Kenny, you're the winner. Send me your address and information at treksf at gmail.com, and I'll send you the DVD. That's it for this week, folks. Again. Sorry it went a little longer than normal, but I think it was uh, a fun show. I liked, I really liked hearing all the commentary, and I, I may even just do a whole show like that sometime if I get enough comments, I guess. Anyway, a couple things, a couple last-minute uh, announcements here. First, look for a show Wednesday again, a short show. I'm going to talk about some more emails on that one. i got a few other audio comments I couldn't play right now for this one that I'm going to slip in about science fiction uh, TV shows and things like that, so... And again, if you'd like to send me an audio comment, uh, I play pretty much every one I get. So send it to uh, treksf at gmail.com, or you can call the voicemail, 206-88-TREKS, T-R-E-K-S. The website, treksf.com or treksinsci-fi.com. we got forums. We've got a lot of fun stuff going on there. Please take a look if you'd like. Uh, it's uh, and, and definitely check out the podcast notes section. I'm not sure like to get some feedback. Are, are people looking at that section? Are they enjoying it? I usually link to everything I talk about in the show. I put up a couple of pictures, uh, different things like that. So, again, you just go to the main website, go to podcast, and that's where that is. So that's about it. Oh, there was one last thing, next week's show. Next week's show, I'm going to do another sort of special show. I really enjoyed a month or two ago, I guess about two months now, I did a show on science fiction television shows some favorites of mine from the past maybe some ones that that not a lot of people have have seen i'm going to do another one of those next uh next week uh for next weekend show and it's going to some of the ones i picked for this one are going to be a little more known and a little more popular but i just want to throw my two cents and comments out on them 
I'll probably do about five, maybe four or five, depending on timing. But that's going to be next week's show. Until then, this is uh, this was show 29. Everyone, enjoy the week. Hopefully the weather's getting a little warmer wherever you're at, and spring is on its way. So, everyone, have a nice week. Thanks for listening. This is Rico signing off. Bye-bye for now. This has been a Rick Dosti production. This podcast, copyright 2006, all rights reserved.